Well, a happy Thursday night, everyone, and welcome in another edition of This Week in Hockey. Boy, we just keep rolling along here, getting you closer and closer to the start of season, Joe. And heck, now we at least know when the season might be starting, thanks to Gary Bettman. Hey, maybe. I mean, that December 1, that seemed a little rushed. It was impossible. We talked about that last yeah. week. We're like, December 1, yee, because you figured, you know, Dallas just got home a couple weeks ago, and within three to four or five weeks, they're going to be back on a plane heading back for training camp. It doesn't seem you're, like it makes sense a lot for those if two you're teams. you're Pat Maroon, December 1st, the, the alcohol's not out of your system by December 1st. I don't know why Pat Maroon. Maroon's agent doesn't call the Dallas Stars and say, hey man, I've knocked you out twice. You want to go three for three? Like, you sign me or your fate's pretty much in your hands. He did the Spit and Chicklets podcast, which if anybody knows what we're talking about, uh, Paul Bissonette, Ryan Whitney host that podcast uh, for Barstool Sports, and Patty was on there with him, and they were joking around with him, saying like, Why is da- like what do you think Dallas thinks right now? And Patty even said, like, F, you think by now they look at me and say, we need to get this guy on our roster so he stops kicking us out of the playoffs. It's crazy. It really is. I mean, we saw the heroics last year when Patty scored that huge goal to send the Blues to the conference finals. And then and then this year, I mean, just too much to handle there in the final. And, and listen, Patty's game fell off quite a bit. You know, he was nowhere near, I think, the effectiveness of a player that he was for the St. Louis Blues. But he was still effective, man. He was still playing every single game, putting in good minutes and, and grinding out down low. And he just a presence player. Player right now, he's got about one or two years probably left on his deal. Uh, someone said the other day, "Why don't they sign him a two-year deal? You think he'll get a multi-year deal?" I, I don't know. I don't know reason why you would. If I'm Pat Maroon, I take one-year deals to a Stanley Cup contender every offseason. Just keep going, man. Yeah. One year at a time. One year at a time. It keeps you hungry. Keeps you grinding. And that's Patty's style. But yeah, man, big big props and big congrats again to Patty Maroon. But yeah, <laughs> Dallas has got to be calling at some point here in the next. Well, tomorrow. Guess it yeah. opens up tomorrow. Big that's right. Free agency. NHL offseason getting underway. By the way, we didn't talk about this last week. I don't know what was better, Patty Maroon's I'm a hometown hero with you on stage or his speech in Tampa with all of those fans and just rambling about turning your phones on and then says, whatever, I'm the big rig and I'm back to back and just Uh. walks off stage. (laughs) (laughs) That was incredible. Both were good. Both were good. But I still stand by it. No, nothing will touch what he said last year in St. Louis. I, I'll never forget being on that stage, and I remember that you know, Curves. We were all kind of talking that morning about, hey, who's going to talk to who, and and you know, John Kelly and Darren Pang, like, Joe, why don't you do Pat Maroon? You guys grew up together. That could be a really cool thing. I was like, oh yeah, I'll take Pat. I'll take Chief. Whatever. And sure enough, Pat gets up there, and 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 we were we were prompted before that morning. Army took the four of us: Chris Kerber, John Kelly, and Darren Pang, and myself, and and said, hey. Uh, we've seen these parades. We've seen these these stage shows go on with the city, and they're great and they're a lot of fun. But every now and then, there's a player that has maybe had too much to drink and steps over the line, or maybe says something they're going to regret later. He Doug put it on us. He goes, "This is up to you. You got to recognize the situation as soon as someone's done, get them off the stage, or maybe a guy that you were supposed to have on the stage, maybe don't invite him up to the stage because we need to kind of keep an eye on things. We don't want anything bad to happen." And <laughs> Of course, nothing bad happened. The, the Blues were extremely professional. All the bad happened before you guys got on yeah, stage with I was Brett gonna say, I was going to say, but you know, the one thing that really stood out was was Pat. And I, I remember that I was kind of wrapping up with him, and I'm looking at the entire city, and it's Pat, and we're, we're all kind of going back and forth. And, and it just, I, I felt like, you know, geez, like, Pat, 
that. Hey, man, these are your people. These are our people. Like, what do you have to say to them? I was expecting, like, a, yeah, we did it, St. Louis, or I love you, St. Louis, or something like that. And he just grabs that mic, and I'm a hometown hero, baby. What people forget about that is he does the Ric Flair woo at the end of it. I don't which, remember that. Yeah, he took it, and it's because I think you were gone, too, because you were laughing. And I think there was a little nerves for Joe Vitale, too, because, like, this was your first time as a broadcaster, you're on stage and you've just been told by Doug Armstrong, hey, make sure you keep a stranglehold on this. So I felt like there were a little nerves for you. But Pat Marooney took the mic and he said, I'm the hometown hero. But then he goes the Ric Flair, woo, at the end of it. It was incredible. Man, it was, you're right. Just you're feeling the pressure of Doug behind me and you eyes glaring you on you. You didn't want anything to go wrong. And, and listen, it's my first year still on the job and I'm still, I'm on the radio. I'm not in front of a lot of people. And literally, it was just uh, the crowd of people downtown St. Louis uh, was insane. And then the other thing, too, I have like a gluten allergy, so I can't drink a lot of beer. I was getting texts during the parade, Joy V, I'm at Chestnut and Clark, or 14th and whatever, and look for me, I'm on the left, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to chuck you a beer, you better shotgun it. I mean, literally like flooded with texts, because my buddies knew I was in the parade, and sure enough, I'd see a big hand waving with a butt heavy, and they would see, I'd see my buddy Ryan, or my buddy John, or JP, or whoever, and then all of a sudden a Budweiser would come flying at our, our big float, my kids were dodging, I caught like one out of every 20, probably, but it was my duty to, to chug and, and shotgun that beer. So with with being an hour away from being on stage, I got a little itchy. I was a little tipsy, but you know what? We made it all a work. A little itchy and a little tipsy. Perfect parade. A real quick, uh, before we get into the draft talk, because I promise we will, I just get sidetracked, which is what we do on This Week in Hockey. I find it ironic that Doug Armstrong saying that about the players with you guys, and the one person that probably said something that right now he probably doesn't regret because he's a Hall of Famer is Larry Robinson, where he's with Panger, yeah. and he said, "I." Uh, he was talking about Boston Bruins, the finger. and then he flipped yeah. off the Boston Bruins fan. That was incredible. He asked, "What?" She goes, "This is your tenth ring, I believe." Yep. He goes, "This is the last one. What? What fingers are going to go on?" And he all of a sudden flips the bird. That he goes, "How about this one here, Boston?" And he flips with this one. That one matters, and he gives Boston the finger. That was oh, that was beautiful, man. That was beautiful. I, I miss old Larry. I know. I hope we uh, hope we get Larry Robinson back around the team next year, and I hope we get another parade uh, like uh, like we saw. Last year for the St. Louis Blues, and heck, you start the off season where a lot of people are focused on it, Joe. And I know a lot of people are going to be asking the question tonight: What's going to happen with Petrangelo? We'll get into that. We'll try and answer that. The speculation before free agency opens up, but you got to talk about the the first part of the NHL off season. Is that the NHL draft, which took place the first round on th- Tuesday night, where the Blues selected Jake Neighbors, 26th overall, who's going to be joining us in our next segment? But then the second day was where the Blues were really active, and I say really active because they had more draft picks. Two selections in the third round, one in the fifth, one in the sixth, and one in the seventh. Three defensemen taken by the Blues. One, by the way, an incredible name, Leo Loof, which is going to be a fun name to talk yeah. about. Um, you take a Dylan Thompson, who is a six foot four powerhouse. You take a goaltender, uh, I'm sorry, another forward, Tanner Dickinson. You take a defenseman, Matthew Kessel. A goaltender, Will Cranley, and then you wrapped up the draft with a player named Noah Beck. So kind of all over the board here, but Joe, give me your initial thoughts just on the draft picks. 
Well, uh, first I'll start out with the number one guy, the guy we're going to have later on our show, and, and Jake Neighbors. Uh, huge, huge congratulations to him, a first-rounder to join uh, the St. Louis elite. I know Doug Armstrong was super geeked about it. It was a player that wasn't really on the Blues' radar to head into the yep. draft, which I think is why it surprised a lot of people. Uh, the one thing uh, I have only heard about Jake Neighbors is the fact that he is going to fit this Blues style to a T. And what I mean by that is he's not a huge guy at 5'11", 200 pounds, but he can get around the ice pretty good. He plays just a very physical, grinded-out style of hockey, and he just has a motor. Apparently, he does not quit. He goes through walls for his team. He goes through walls for his coaches. So that kind of uh, spirit and that kind of spirit animal, I think, is going to suit the Blues uh, very well, especially in the fact that you know he, he's not necessarily a point guy. He does get good points, but I love the fact that you know, in the WHL, which is a league that guys who get a lot of points sometimes end up in the negative because a lot of that's power play generated yeah. from their high skill. He's a plus 15 on the last season, which is pretty impressive because he does take care of all three zones. So that's number one. Uh, the second thing that really jumped out at me, you mentioned him, Leo Loof. His last name's got like two emojis. It's got umlauts. I learned yeah. what an umlaut is. Is that what, what is that? So an umlaut basically, I believe, is a European um, basically abbreviation that they put over some letters. So I don't know if it's pronounced Loof. It might be pronounced like Loof or Loaf or okay. something like that, but they're called umlauts. I'm going to like, if, if it's pronounced Loaf, I'm going to like him already. He's going to be the bread man number two. He might be bread man number two. Yeah, for all the people out there, look up his name. His last name's Loof, L-O-O-F. So the two O's in the middle, they have two dots over each O. It looks like a O. Oh. I know it's hard to see what I just Looks did. Looks like the face emoji, right? It's like a face emoji, like uh oh, like an uh oh face emoji. So, uh, but no, a lot of big bodies, a lot of uh, physicality. I think added to the group. No one, no one that really jumps out. Alex is going to make an impact in this team right away. I don't yeah. think Doug needs anyone in the next year or two to make an impact. Right. Jake Neighbors, for example, the first rounder we just talked about, he's going to need two to three years of development. Uh, whether that's back in the dub or, or junior hockey or definitely in the American League, to really groom and, and, and to blossom uh, to what he is. Uh, this Noah Beck, he's a seventh rounder. He missed the whole draft last year. I've heard a couple things about him. Uh, he was draft eligible last year. No one took him. Big body, he, uh, really gets gets around the ice pretty well. Uh, he's going to go in the USHL and then c- continuing on to the college career. But um, you know, some of the people are saying this could be a seventh round sleeper. You don't see many seventh round sleepers. I think Joe Pavelski is the one seventh rounder that really jumps out at you. Carl yeah. Gunnarsson was a seventh rounder. Uh, but every now and then in, in the draft, there is. I think uh, Pavel Datsuk was a seventh rounder too, wasn't, wasn't he? Or no, he think, was a late. Pick no, maybe it was Zetterberg was Zetterberg. Uh, Zetterberg might have been deeper into the draft. He may yeah, have you're been right. even deeper than seven. Yeah, but you know, so there, every now and then there is a sleeper. This kid is saying the six three. Like I said, big body. Uh, he can move pretty well. So I think a lot of people are thinking maybe this guy could be something kind of cool. So all in all, I think it was a great draft. I think it took a long time yesterday. It was a weird draft, but. You look at how every team did it. They did it all virtually. I was in the Blues uh, Arena yesterday, the Enterprise Center. The whole locker room was set up really cool. Uh, Trevor and, and everyone in company did a terrific job uh, down at the Blue Note to to get Doug Armstrong and, and, and the whole brass a good setup where they could do it. Uh, and, and it's funny, you look at the NHL draft and uh, the craziness and how much money the league pours into that day. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised, Alex, the next couple of years especially, if the NHL just continues to do it this way. Keep really? Going. Oh, yeah. I mean, listen, you got to go to these cities, the hotels, I mean, all, all the, the staging and the lighting. And but don't the general managers like that, though, because they have the opportunity to talk with other people? I think they like it, but at the same time, if the league's looking to kind of cut back a little bit and mm-hmm. save some money here and there, I don't think a lot of GMs really hated the fact that they could just do it out of their, their hometown city and right. just kind of be next to their families. Some GMs probably love getting out and golfing and doing these great, great cities, but I think for the league, I think it probably would be something we'll 
we'll see in the next couple years. It's like the All-Star game, what we've talked about in the past. If you're going to do it, you're going to have to do it in desirable destination so maybe yeah. the same with the draft or you do something like the nfl does where or major league baseball does where they have the drafts on site but maybe you send the scouting department to the drafts and the general managers and the front office members kind of keep track from their home areas it's interesting to look at but i always found it interesting too that you know that's that's where the conversations begin. And we'll talk about this in a little bit because there really wasn't that much activity in the draft this year. I think some of that's because of the pandemic and because you're waiting for kind of that major chip to fall. But a lot of that, I wonder, if is kind of designed to not having the ability to just get up from your table and walk over to another table. Yeah, it could be. You know, I know for the Blues especially, Alex, it probably wasn't a lot of commotion, not a lot of action, um, maybe a little bit to, to, uh, for the pandemic. But a lot of it, too, just you, you look at the pieces of this Blues team, and there's just not – there's not a lot of holes that need to be filled right away. And that's something that Doug said that, you know, we're not going to really move up. There's no reason to move up because we don't really have a need for anyone to jump right into this team next year, the year after, and make an impact. So, you know, it was a pretty vanilla, pretty vanilla draft for a lot of people. I think a lot of GMs are just still kind of waiting. They're kind of in wait and see mode, like what's going to happen here, what's going to happen there, and with the cap saying the same. I think free agency. There's a lot of buzz around free agency, and I think GMs didn't want to maybe jump the jump the uh, the ladder here too quickly without seeing how some of these big names are going to get moved around. I know for Doug Armstrong, I would imagine that having Petrangelo still looming over your head, there was probably a lot there going on. I'm sure some offers came across, uh, but probably nothing that Doug liked enough to move forward with. So uh, with the draft, yeah, now we move kind of in that free agency mode, which which starts tomorrow. Ooh, scary. A lot of intrigue there. By the way, Pavel Datsuk, sixth round, but he was one of the last picks in the sixth round. Henrik Zetterberg, ninth round. Ninth round. That is just insane. How does that happen? How does that happen? Also, how does it happen where Joe Vitale gets traded one for one? Not a big deal. Pavel Datsuk. He's Joey V, the bread man. I'm Alex Ferrario. It's This Week in Hockey. We will talk with the 26th overall draft pick from the St. Louis Blues in the NHL draft. Jake Neighbors is going to join Joe and I next here on This Week in Hockey on 101 ESPN. Back in here on a Thursday night along with former NHL forward and now Blues commentator on the radio side with Chris Kerber, Joe Vitale. I'm Alex Ferrario. Happy to welcome on the Brown and Crouppen Celebrity Line the newest member of the St. Louis Blues, the 26th overall draft pick from the 2020 NHL draft, Jake Neighbors. Jake, it is great to talk with you tonight, buddy. How are you? I'm doing really good. Thank you for having me on the show. Oh, we're excited to talk with you, buddy. First off, congrats on being drafted by the St. Louis Blues. I'm curious because I was watching the draft, and when they showed your reaction on the broadcast, uh, you were excited, but it felt like the uh, the family members were just as excited for you. Oh yeah, my family. Uh, my family's very, very proud of me, and um, you know everything I do, I do for them, and um, you know I receive a tremendous amount of support from them. So. Um, you know, I knew they were going to be just as excited as me when the moment came. Jake, take me through watching the draft. Was it was it something that you were kind of hanging on the edge of your seat? Did you think you were going to go sooner? Were you getting impatient when you fell to the 26? Or you, did you feel like you were on the Blues' radar at all? Yeah, for sure. I think, um, you know, I talked to the Blues quite a bit um, during early in the off season, right when uh, the season got canceled. And, um, you know, had some good meetings with them and thought I interviewed pretty well. And, um, you know, so I knew I was on their radar somewhat, and uh, you know, I didn't talk to them much throughout the rest of the off season leading up to the draft. And um, you know, once it was draft time, like you said, just kind of on the edge of my seat. Um, you know, we weren't weren't too sure where I was going to go, kind of you know, in that late first, early second area. And um, you know, was very very happy when St. Louis selected me, and uh, it was a big surprise. So, 
Jake, those those interview processes you just mentioned, you felt you interviewed well with St. Louis. Usually these are in person with the general managers and head scouts. They sit down with these players. Of course, a lot of these were done over the phone uh, because of the pandemic. What was the put us inside these conversations just for a minute? Was there any questions that jumped out at you as a little strange, or or maybe maybe like I wonder why he's asking that, or just maybe something off the radar that Doug Armstrong or some GM asked you throughout that process? Uh, yeah. So for the most part, you know, doing the, the calls over Zoom is um, you know pretty interesting for sure. I think um, you know teams will try to throw you off here and there with maybe a bit of a weird question. I got a weird one. Um, once asking if I'd rather pick up $20 off the floor of a public bathroom or, or pick up $100 from the toilet bowl of a public bathroom. So that was kind of, that was the weirdest question I got where it was kind of, you know, what does this have to do with hockey type thing? But, um, you know, looking back on it, I think I get why they, that why they would ask that now. <laughs> okay. Well, now I'm curious because you're talking, Jake, to the king of the would you rathers in Joe Vitale. Which one did you choose? Yeah. I said I'd pick up both. Oh, that's oh, a great answer. It's all the trick yeah, question, Joe. Yeah. Why yeah. the heck did they ask that? What's yeah. what, what's what, what what about that question? Did you ever come down to any, any clarity on it? I don't know. Like maybe like kind of how it looked to me um, is maybe like if you're willing to get dirty for a bigger reward type thing. Um, you know, a similar um, kind of concept. You know, willing to block shots for um, you know a championship or whatever it may be to contribute to winning a hockey game. Um, you know, there's kind of some resemblance there. I didn't, you know, analyze it too deeply, but kind of right off the bat, that was uh, that was kind of the first impression I was thinking of. God bless you on that one, Jake, because I would have panicked in there and be like, uh, <laughs> none of them. Uh, <laughs> again, we're talking with uh, we're talking with new Blues forward Jake Neighbors, who was selected 26th overall in the NHL draft on Tuesday night by the St. Louis Blues. So, Jake, sticking on that topic of this year being very different than years past, I'm sure you've talked with former teammates about going through the NHL draft process and you know doing the the work and kind of being in person for everything and really being in person at the draft. How different was that this year in being a virtual draft? Yeah, it was unique for sure. Obviously, um, you know, as I mentioned earlier, all the interviews, um, you know, that you would be doing at the Combine were done, you know, over Zoom for the most part. And, um, you know, in terms of fitness testing, we, um, you know, we, if any teams requested scores or, um, you know, things like that. We were, you know, quick to to send those over, um, you know, on the fitness aspect of things. And, um, you know, obviously everything's virtual. I don't even know how to describe it, really. Uh, it was definitely a, a unique experience and, um, you know, something that, um, you know, my buddy Matthew Robertson was drafted to the Rangers last year. And, um, you know, he said he couldn't imagine doing what I did, um, you know, compared to what he did. So I guess there's pros and cons for both sides. But, um, you know, either way, I'm very happy I ended up in the spot I'm in. Jake, I see that you put on a blues hat and you did this this Zoom for Fox Sports and, and for the Blues website. Just curious, th- did you buy every team hat? Like, how did you know? <laughs> how did you know what hat to wear? I, you know what I'm trying to say? Yeah, the NHL actually sent out uh, 31 hats to me. There you go. Um, so I think there's a, a good chunk of prospects um, that you know, if you were considered kind of in that first round, early second range. Um, you know, I think they sent hats to to majority of the prospects. So um, I know me and my buddy Ozzy did, and uh, you know a couple other guys I'm I'm good pals with as well. So um, that that was how I got the St. Louis hat, I guess. <laughs> so I guess you have 30 Christmas gifts all set up for the next 30 years, <laughs> probably to, to dad, and mom, right? 
Exactly. That's exactly what I'm going to use it for. It's <laughs> a perfect Christmas gift right there. Hey, guys, enjoy this yeah. Detroit Red Wings hat for a Christmas. <laughs> Again, we're talking with Jake Neighbors here on This Week in Hockey. Joe Vitale, I'm Alex Ferrario. So, Jake, I know when you were talking with uh, the media after you were selected, you talked a lot about how you emulate your game after Matthew Kachuk, and that's how you win an entire city right there because that's a kid that everyone loves watching as the St. Louis kid. But hearing you say that uh, – fans got the idea that you are a guy who loves to play in the dirty areas, a guy who plays hard, really the perfect uh, model of a player that the St. Louis Blues are looking for. Yeah, 100%. I think, um, you know, my dad's really preached that to me ever since a young age to be one of those guys who's, um, you know, being physical, being an agitator type thing. And, um, you know, I just, I've kind of grown into the role. I love it. I love, um, you know, getting into scrums and, and finishing checks and, I mean, you know, playing that hard-nosed game, going to the corners and, you know, cross-checking all the fun stuff that, that comes with being a, a bit of a grinder. So, um, you know, I, I love it, though. And, yeah, I think Matthew Kachuk is, you know, a good player that I resemble. I think, I um, mean, you know, we obviously have some differences, but, um, you know, I think kind of the general aspect of how he's so involved offensively, so involved physically and, um, you know, with his mouth as well, um, you know, all those things I try to incorporate as well, so. Jake, I remember when, when I got drafted by Pittsburgh and I was super nervous to run into Sidney Crosby. And Because you watch these players on TV, you play them on video games. I'm sure you play video games. <laughs> it's always strange when you yeah. eventually go to camp and then, oh, here comes Ryan O'Reilly just walked in the door. There there he is. Or here is you know Jordan Bennington. I remember seeing him on the stage or lift the cup and he's right there. It's always a strange feeling for a young kid. Is there one player in particular that you're just really looking forward to meeting when you get here to St. Louis to camp and, and working with on the ice? Yeah, I think, um, you know, obviously St. Louis has, you know, some tremendous players, but obviously some big names, um, you know, Ryan O'Reilly, uh, Tarasenko, um, you know, Petrangelo, depending what happens in free agency, and, um, you know, uh, like Schwartz, Braden Shen, all these guys, like, um, you know, they they have some great names, and, um, you know, I'm, I'm sure I'll be very starstruck when I get to St. Louis, and, I mean, I'll get to meet all these guys. I already kind of had one of those moments yesterday when, uh, you know, got a flashbang FaceTime from, from Tarasenko. So, um, you know, it's uh, it's already starting to happen, and um, I can't imagine what it would be like in person. Jake, uh, my final question for you, buddy, and we appreciate you hopping on with us this evening uh, to talk about being selected by the St. Louis Blues. So you've spent three seasons so far in the WHL, and I know this is a little premature because you don't really know what the future holds with the pandemic, but uh, do you feel that you're ready to kind of go pro, or do you feel like more time in juniors is beneficial? Yeah, I think, um, you know, obviously there's still a lot of off-season left and a lot of developing left to do, and um, you know, I think I'd probably have to get into a camp and, you know, see how I stack up against, um, you know, some other, you know, steady pro hockey, NHL hockey players that, you know, I've played in the league for a long time. I think, um, you know, that would help me probably estimate is, you know, if I could stack up against them and, and you know, see how I do. But, um, you know, I definitely know it's going to be a process. And, you know, whether that's, you know, a couple more months and I'm jumping in right away or, um, you know, it's a two, three-year thing. I'm I'm ready for whatever. So, um, you know, I spoke with Doug Armstrong, and, you know, he said it, you know, be in the next couple of years, and, you know, it's going to be a developmental process. But, 
um, you know, you can develop faster and faster, um, you know, the harder you work. So, um, you know, I'm ready for whatever period of time it'll take and, and whatever that'll be, uh, I'll be ready. That's awesome. Well, Jake, I can honestly tell you that fans are going to love you here in St. Louis when they get the chance to see you. We've loved getting the chance to talk with you. Congratulations once again to you and the family on being selected by the Blues. Uh, good luck moving forward, and we are excited to see you in St. Louis shortly. Thank you so much. It was awesome getting to chat to you guys, and uh, thanks for having me on the show again. There you go. That's Jake Neighbors, the new selection by the St. Louis Blues, 26th overall. And, Joe, <laughs> I can honestly say just talking with him for nine minutes, people are going to love this guy in St. Louis. You can just tell by the enthusiasm. Plus, this guy already sounds like a pro hockey player. So I'm excited to see Jake in St. Louis, hopefully in this upcoming training camp for the St. Louis Blues. We'll take a break. When we come back, a interesting free agency for the NHL with a lot of names out there, but also with Alex Petrangelo. What's going to happen? We'll give you our latest thoughts next here on 101 ESPN. Back in here on a Thursday night, Alex Ferrario, Joe Vitale with you. The night before free agent frenzy opens up, and I can truly say free agent frenzy because, Joe, this is going to be an insane free agency period in the NHL, not just because of the pandemic that's going on, but because of the amount of players that are going to be on the market. And by the way, Thank you to Jake Neighbors for hopping on with us last segment. If you missed that interview with the 26th overall pick by the St. Louis Blues, you can check it out on our podcast after the show tonight, 101ESPN.com, This Week in Hockey. So, Joe, let's start with the person that everyone is talking about. It's the question that you've been asked a million times, I've been asked a million times. Heck, you're asking your brother a million times, (laughs) it seems. What is going to happen with Alex Petrangelo? And we can at least say this from our perspective and from what we know there have not been any new conversations between the two all signs are pointing towards free agency for Alex Petrangelo I don't think that shuts the door on the St. Louis Blues but it definitely closes it a lot more than what it was yeah you know I think as as this thing has progressed you know it's almost the opposite of how I felt with the return to play I mean you go back to March I was it was looking very grim. There's no way this is going to happen ever again until probably a year or two away. Mm-hmm. Then the then the league starts murmurs are happening about possibly having a, a small playoff thing. You're like, okay, well, that's a little hopeful. And then you know June rolls around. And then here we got something in place here. We're going to do a camp phase three, phase four, whatever. And like, oh, okay. So my my point was that with that, I felt better and better as time went on before all the teams arrived in the bubble. And then, of course, when they got to the bubble, you just kept feeling better and better with all the negative tests. This, this Alex, I almost feel the opposite, where I felt really good when the season ended. I'm, I'm starting to feel worse. And I think as you feel worse, it's only natural because the time is just now clicking. And, yeah. and, and it's, it's winding down, and if it hasn't happened yet, you ask yourself, what more can really be done in right. the next X amount of hours before... Alex Petrangelo, the captain of this team, hits the free agency market and could possibly land somewhere else. So, yeah. um, with that being said, you know I do I do not think anything huge developing has been going on. Uh, again, this is I, I always say that like I have I have not had personal conversations with Alex about this. Even if I did, I don't know how much he would actually give out. But from that second third layer outside of him, uh, teammates, people close to him, people around him a lot. People like that I've talked to, to me, all signs are starting to lead lead uh, lead me to think a little bit more negatively about this. Yeah, uh, I, I don't know if it's about the money. I don't know if it's about the term. I don't know if it's about the no trade. I just think there's just too much history. You know, I was talking to, to Ribs and, and BK earlier today. I think there's just so much history 
right now between Petro and, and Doug Armstrong and, and that relationship about you know, how things have gone in the past. Maybe there was an offer on the table last summer that was insulting to Petro. I'm not sure. We're going to find out the details of it uh, sooner or later. Mm-hmm. But you know, you can see how maybe an insulting number could really kind of get things going off in the wrong direction, especially if you're Petro and you have Newport representing you because they're they're hungry dogs, they're hound dogs when it comes to having their players make the money they deserve. So. We're gonna find out soon. I mean, it, it, it's amazing. Uh, I will say one thing. I, I'm glad it's it's coming to an end. I'm glad mm-hmm. that the speculation will be over soon, and, and we can kind of put this to rest. Whether he stays as a blue or he moves on, um, gosh, I just I I, I hate to think. I, I don't want to be the guy sitting here in five or six years thinking, gosh, why yeah. couldn't we just lock just get it Doug done. Armstrong and Alex Petrangelo in a room, lock them in a room, starting yeah. right now. And they're not coming out of that room. No one is getting fed until yep. there's ink on that paper. And and that's what happened to David Pasternak. Remember, there was a huge delay yeah. when, when Pasta signed that huge extension in Boston. And that's actually what David Backus said. He made it public. He's like, these two groups need to go in that freaking room, and they just need to sign a contract. And that's a, a sort of, essentially what they did. So will it happen? I don't know. We're going to find out really soon. I just know that... Players like him, they just they just do not come around. There's not many of them in the league. Like All I could anymore. think of when you just said that was the uh, the office episode. And if you know me, you know I'm a huge office buff. Huge. Uh, when when Michael Scott was trying to resolve the issues among the employees, and he said, "That's it, you two in the room right now, cage match." <laughs> That's what it feels like with these two. <clears throat> Excuse me. And and look, you're at the point now where. You really don't have anything else to say about this scenario. I'm curious from a player perspective, Joe, did you ever see that with teammates that had rough conversations with general managers when it came to negotiations and just said, I I can't get past this? Because this happens, this isn't just St. Louis, this happens all over in the NHL. Yeah, you know, it's it, it, it does happen quite a bit. And I think that I just think the players I think that they they wear their emotions on their sleeve maybe more than they should. Yeah. I think that they kind of get written. I'm not saying this is how it is for Petro because I don't know. But from what I've experienced and the players I've seen and, and talking to them who have been in Petro's situation similar, obviously not not quite to that this extent uh, with this amount of money, but they can't seem to get moved past the fact that this is uh, a battle between them and the general manager. Yeah. When when in reality, uh, the best the best scoop of advice you can give a player is to say this is just a small piece of the business. Once we move past this, uh, keep keep your eye on the big prize. Keep your eye on the big picture. The take big, the personal side out of it. Take the personal stuff out of it because at the end of the day, it really it's, it comes down to between you and that room, you and those guys inside that locker room. That that's what it's about, you know. And and for a player like Petro. If there is some sort of stuff going on where they just can't get on the same page and it has gotten personal and there is just too much history to move on, uh, may- maybe stop focusing on that. The focus should be on, do you want to be in the room with Ryan O'Reilly? Do you want to be in there with Vladimir Tarasenko? Do you want to be with part of this Blues team because you think we have a great window for the next three to four years? Right. If you can answer yes to those questions, I, I think they can figure out a a deal. I, I don't know if money wise it's going to be that different if he hits the open market. Maybe a little bit more here and there. Will the quality of life be a little better? Maybe if you're living in a really nice city, but then again, you're away from home. His mm-hmm. wife's from here. So, I mean, it's all kind of a, a coin toss. So, you just hope that players can focus on, on the yeah. big picture. In that and I'll situation. say this too people always need to remember the human side of this. They're, they're more than just athletes, it's more than just a name on the Blues roster. I can only imagine the stress that he and Janie are going through with already four kids at home and a newborn, and then having to sit here 
and deal with this stress of, oh, are they going to call me? Are they not going to call me? Like it's 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 one of those things where you're in a relationship and it's a breakup, right? But you're wanting her to text you back, but she doesn't text you back, and you're stressing about it. I feel horrible for Petro and his wife going through that, and I just hope that this can provide them with some calmness moving forward. Isn't that the worst? When you, oh, it was when, horrible. When you text your your girlfriend yeah. or your wife and you're fighting or you're dating someone and you text them this message, you know what the worst thing they can do is? Don't respond. Or start to type with the little ellipsis and then just stop texting. Fa- like, where is it? My like, wife and I went through that when we were dating in college where we would fight and then it's like you're expecting one to text you back and then the other doesn't respond and then the other just plays chicken with you. I hated everything about that. So I can only imagine how frustrating this is for oh, Petro. Silence is golden, Dating man. was the worst. Dating 101. For all you daters out there, if you want to get back at your, your ex or your, your spouse or whoever you're mad at, when they text you something, just don't respond. Amen. It is the worst. It's hard. It's hard. But if you really want to get to them, cut them at the core. Silence is deadly. And with a pregnant wife at home, I love you, Katie. I love you so much. Uh, <laughs> let me ask you this, Joe, because let's let's hypothetically look at the road without Alex Petrangelo. And I know people say, well, it's an elite defenseman and you can't replace elite defensemen. The only argument that I have with that, because look, you can't replace an elite defenseman. Detroit can't replace a Nick Lidstrom. Chicago can't replace a Duncan Keith. But the only argument I would say is don't doubt Doug Armstrong. There have been moves that he has made in the past that a lot of people kind of scoff their head at and say, what the hell are you doing here? Mm -hmm. Trading away a Paul Stastny. What the hell are you doing here when you were pushing for a playoffs? Well, you made the playoffs still. And then you opened up that cap space for a Ryan O'Reilly trade. Don't discount what Doug Armstrong's plan is for this team. If you're going to put faith in somebody, you got to put it in the guy who's done it with his Stanley Cup championship. Oh, for sure. Listen, when, when Justin Falk was acquired earlier this season and... Uh, the cap hit he had, the contract he signed, I forget the exact details, but I think the Blues were, right when we got the news and we looked at the money that Justin Falk was going to make, we were all kind of scratching our heads. I think we were over the cap by a couple million or something like that. And I remember being in Mike Caruso's office, uh, the PR guy here with the St. Louis Blues, terrific human. We're sitting in his office and we just get Justin Falk and we're kind of going through the numbers like, how the heck is he going to make this work? And of course, Doug comes in the office a couple minutes later and we're all kind of chit-chat. And I think Caruso just asked him, he goes, hey, Doug, did you know that we're $2 million over the cap or something like that? And, you know, Doug obviously just finishes this deal. He's kind of probably riding a high. And he looked at Mike Caruso and he goes, do you think I'm stupid or something? And it was just kind of, it was just like a hilarious <laughs> moment. And of course, uh, there was some sort of deal, I think, where Carolina was absorbing some. Uh, something happened where they restructured it, where the Blues were able to be um, compliant with, mm-hmm. with the cap. So you're right, Alex. I think he is a very smart man. I think he has a plan in place of what he thinks. I think he is looking at this petrol thing, and he's he's got a great argument. Look at the teams that have signed players to these big 8-9, 10-year deals. Mm-hmm. You know, the Ryan Suters of the world, the Seabrooks, the Dowdies, all, all these incredible athletes, the Parisis. Uh, there are so many of them. You know, but you look at the another one, Carey uh, uh, Carey Price up yeah. in Montreal. You look at these contracts; they're great contracts for these individuals. But none of the teams have had a lot of success since these contracts have been signed. Uh, when you sign one player to a incredible contract like this, does it ha- hamstring your team? Does it put you behind the eight ball? Are you able to compete as a team? This is a this is a business of winning, winning as a team. We're not here just to throw money around and give give. Uh, money to players that deserve it, quote unquote, or what the market says, just because other athletes have gotten that. Right. So, I mean, Doug, Doug has got a, a reason for for what he's doing. You know, I think in a perfect situation, if this doesn't go well, he'll explain it probably in the same way where 
we need to be able to compete. We cannot give one player nine, $9.5 million, uh, million dollars and expect to compete. So we are going to re- restructure and do it this way. In a perfect world, three years from now, the Blues win the Stanley Cup, and he's going to be like, this is why we did it. Just told you so. We, yeah. needed, we needed to build a team. We, we, we built our team. We said it from day one, a group of really good hockey players. Yeah. We don't have two elite and then a bunch of bottom feeders. We have all really good hockey players. And can you do that if you have one guy making $9 bucks? We're going to find out. Yeah, well, and look, they got, a, they got a heck of a deal on a Vladimir Tarasenko, who I know everyone's arguing as well. He's injured now. You don't know what he's going to be. Well, the hope is that he's back to Vladimir Tarasenko. But you signed him to a very team-friendly deal. You did the same with Braden Shen. You got Ryan O'Reilly on a team-friendly deal. Those are the elite players, and I don't know if you can add another one. So, again, if I'm going to put faith in somebody, it's going to be Doug Armstrong, who constructed our championship roster out of basically uh, a bunch of players that on other teams would be third, fourth-line players, but they all came together as a team. So we'll talk more about that. Obviously, we'll be back with you next week once we have free agency. And I do want to get into the other names that are out there on the market because there are some incredible names that are going to be available this offseason Maybe some that are connected to the Blues. We'll talk about that as we wrap up This Week in Hockey next here on 101 ESPN. Final time here tonight here on This Week in Hockey. Joe Vitale, Alex Ferrario will be back with you next week. Uh, we'll give you the day once it gets closer because, look, right now you got football, you got uh, NBA Finals, which will definitely be over by next week. Uh, well, I say definitely. I guess there's not a definitive answer on that. But then we got baseball postseason. So we shuffle around. We carry everything here on 101 ESPN. But we will be with you next week to recap a, uh, a very crazy free agency uh, for this offseason, Joe. And I wanted to talk about that. And, look, I, I do have a couple of what's up with that as we wrap up tonight, but let's talk about the names that are available on this free agent market, and let's just start with the goaltenders, Joe. I mean, you got names like a Jacob Markstrom, who we saw in Vancouver, an incredible season, a Braden Holtby, who just won a Stanley Cup with the Washington Capitals, some older guys that maybe you look at as dinged up and not the same, but still guys who have won the Stanley Cup, like a Corey Crawford. And then there's a guy named Henrik Lundqvist, who, in my opinion, would look great as a backup goaltender for the St. Louis Blues. But this is a guy who is desperate for a Stanley Cup. I mean, you have a lot of guys who can change rosters this offseason. No, you do. I mean, I can't imagine seeing Henrik Lundqvist not in a red, white, and blue uniform. Yeah. But, you know, it's funny. Keep an eye on Las Vegas for Henrik Lundqvist. You know, with, with Marc-Andre Fleury's big contract, contract as a backup they're going to need a, they're need, going to need to get rid of that contract big big money there so can Lundqvist uh, be okay making one 1.52 million bucks as a backup in Las Vegas the quality of life out there for that single single looking stud out there in Las Vegas he'd have a ball out there uh, keep an eye on that one Braden Holpe where does he end up I, I know that Vancouver seems confident moving on obviously from Jacob Markstrom so a lot of good goaltenders going to be hitting the market here really good goaltending market actually the forwards kind of uh, drift off a bit. I, w- I would call it forwards probably the weakest class of yeah. this of these free agencies. Uh, but number one overall is going to be the defenseman. Uh, Alex Petrangelo, mm-hmm. as we mentioned in the first segment here, uh, for obvious reasons, being one of the best defensemen in the league. It's amazing to think a player like this could hit the open market. Um, aside from him, you look at Tory Krug. You know, yeah. another great defenseman, left-handed shot defenseman who the Blues are very familiar with uh, from last year's Stanley Cup final with Boston. It's amazing to me that Boston and Tory Krug, I just feel like Boston is so connected to that core and Tory Krug being a part of that. You put a lot of time into him too. Gosh, you put so much time into him. If they just cannot come up with that, that that's going to be amazing. I think Toy Krug will stay in Boston. I, I just, think so. I do. I, I think Boston is just so um, in touch and in tune and connected with that core and, and Krug being a part of that. So I think he'll stick around there. Uh, but Toy Krug is another one. Uh, the other defenseman, uh, Tyson Berry. Tyson Berry, yep. Right shot defenseman. Uh, nowhere near as, uh, the caliber of Alex Petrangelo, but 
Could he come here? Could he come to St. Louis and fill that kind of third, fourth line role if you have uh, Pareko in that top spot? Mm-hmm. And then between Justin Falk and Tyson Berry, you can really load up. Uh, you know, listen, Tyson Berry's making $5.5 million this year. He will get a raise, but can you get him around 6 6.5, something like Justin Falk's on? Uh, maybe. And that could be the $3 million difference that you would have if you didn't have Petrangelo to free up to get, you know, some sort of UFA forward for Doug Armstrong as well. The, the most excited forward, I don't know about you, Alex, and I'd like to hear from you, but the most excited forward out there for me is still Hoffman. I love this yeah. kid from Florida. I mean, what a uh, some personal stuff a couple years ago in Ottawa. He got bounced around a little bit, but man, he showed up in Florida and he is a power play guy. An incredible shot, great vision. He's a good five on five player. Plays two hundred feet, but uh, I'm really excited about him on the power play, especially especially since you're not going to have Vladimir Tarasenko. But uh, for me, that that's kind of how I uh, cap up this this free agency and a lot of great strong defensemen out there. Some fun goaltenders. Mm-hmm. Uh, winning caliber, Lundqvist, uh, Holtby, Jacob Markstrom-style goaltenders. Uh, and the forwards fall off a little bit. Taylor Hall, I'm not sold on him. I don't know. No, yeah, and I, I, Taylor Hall is the one that's that's interested to, to me because he's going to command a lot of money, but he also wants to go to somebody who's got a chance to win the Cup because he's played for so many bad teams yeah. for so long. Goaltenders, I think, are going to be important, and I wouldn't be surprised to see those be the most active in this free agency, Joe, because, look, let's say you start January 1st and the NHL is going to want to play 60-plus games. You're going to be playing a a lot of games in very little amount of time without that many days off. So I think teams are going to have to have experience when it comes to goaltenders, and you're going to have to have two of them. That's why Montreal went out to get Jake Allen and trade mm-hmm. for him, because they knew Carey Price is not going to be able to play the amount of games that he's been playing. So I, tr- I truly think not just in St. Louis, but other teams as well, they're going to put a lot of emphasis on having experience at the goaltender position. Well, huge. I mean, let's say you start mid-January. You know, obviously there's not going to be an all-star break. There's not going to be a bye week. They're going to try to crunch 82 games in a very small window. I don't think they're going to get to 82, but let's call it 70-75. Maybe they lose 10 games this year. You're still playing a ton of hockey. You're probably playing three, four games a week on some stretches, which is a ton. The backup goaltending position is going to see more action. You're going to see more one-two punch goaltending um, tandems this year than I think we ever have for obvious reasons of so many back-to-backs and so many games in such a small stretch. And don't forget, when you're playing this many games, you're going to be really prone to injury for a lot of these guys. It will be interesting for me, Alex, to see if the Blues can't get the Petro thing done, will Doug Armstrong regret getting rid of Jake Allen. Yeah. You know, because uh, Jake Allen was as strong of a backup as you could ever hope for in the National Hockey League this past season. His numbers were astronomical. He was huge for the Blues in the playoffs. Without Jake Allen, I mean, they, they wouldn't even take it to Game 6. So, for me, uh, you have to free Jake Allen's uh, contract of four-plus million dollars up to try to set room for Petrangelo. But, you know, if you don't get Petrangelo... Then was that was that a waste? I mean, Billy Huso is going to be coming in probably as a backup. Not a ton of NHL experience. He's only mm-hmm. played a couple regular season games, uh, exhibition games. Yeah. He's never gotten in a regular season game. He's got a pretty good work in the American League. He's not really seasoned to where he needs to be, like Jordan Bennington was. So you're putting a lot of inexperience on your backup goaltender. If if Petro doesn't get this done, it almost would, to me, be kind of a regretful thing to let Jake Allen go. Yeah, and then you have to put the emphasis on a goaltender because I don't think you can depend on Jordan Bennington for that amount of games in that short amount of time. Um, let me throw another offensive name out there and see what you think about this one, Joe. Uh, we've talked about him in the past, and recently this just came out because he was representing himself as a free agent, and he was decided not to be re-signed by his team. Anthony Duclair. Yeah. This was a guy who was an Dukes. all-star. He was in St. Louis. Did you play with him in Arizona? I did. Duke, Duke, so, Duke, so what Duke it, over. Yeah, that guy. What do you th- I mean, this is a 25-goal scorer. I don't know if he's a right-handed shot or if he's a left-handed shot. 
But this is a guy who brings speed, brings a little bit of grit to your lineup, and he's a guy who provides an offensive upgrade that you might be able to get a little cheaper. I tell you what, Anthony Duclair, seeing him in the All-Star game, last year here in St. Louis. I mean, you kind of had to do a double take because of the incredible up and down and all over the place uh, career this kid has had. He was a third rounder for the New York Rangers. Okay, uh, The Rangers used him for about 20 games and, and got rid of him in a trade. He came to us in Arizona back in 2015. An incredible kid, great worker, a lot of skill, just a, a good, young, millennial, goofy kid. Uh, hung around Arizona for a couple years, and then Chicago picks him up in a trade. Then Columbus gets him, and then Columbus got rid of him. I mean, he went from New York to Arizona to Chicago to Columbus to Ottawa. And th- this kid is 25 years old. He's already played, I think, for that six teams there. Yeah. So he he literally cannot find a groove or a team. But you look at him last year. I mean, the Ottawa Senators, 66 games, 23 goals, and 40 points. And he, there's no reason why he shouldn't have been an all-star, especially for a bad team in a black hole of Ottawa. I, I would keep your eye on him. I, I think he's a, a solid player. I think he really moves well. He has a lot of speed. The Blues can always use a little bit more speed. Great left shot, gets up and down the wing very well, and he's an overall just great teammate. So yeah, that could be that could be a undercover kid that not a lot of people are talking about. And for that reason, you may be able to get him for a little bit cheaper than than what he's probably portraying or expecting to get. Think about some of these forwards that are going to be available out there. I mean, one, Patty Maroon, who mm-hmm. somebody's going to sign this guy and give him. He was on with Ribs and BK earlier today and said that he's already got a lot of offers coming in. Um, a Corey Perry, who signed a one-year deal with Dallas and had success, um, and then. And all of these restricted free agents that are going to be out there, you know, if they don't get contracts with their teams, you could see a lot of players hit this market, Joe. I just think this is going to be an intriguing free agency because it's not so much where you have all of these high profile names, but it's players that ordinarily wouldn't be available because of the pandemic and because teams need to shed some salary. So it's just the question is going to be. Are teams going to be willing to add salary to their roster with these names being available out there? Well, and are these players going to be willing to take a bit of a hit as well? They're they're going to have those mid-level ones. They're going to have to, you know, because when free agency opens up, I think eleven o'clock is when it kind of hits up. You know, giving Michael Granlin, for example, for the Nashville Predators, uh, he's making just shy of six million. Does he deserve a raise? I think so. I think he's a stud. I think he gets six six and a half, maybe seven million bucks, possibly if, if the market's really good. But if you're his agent. You probably say, uh, Michael, you just paid 5.75, but this is the situation where the cap has stayed the same, teams are hurting financially. You may need to take a contract of a few years for $5 million. You yeah. may have to take a hit. Is he going to be okay with that, or is he going to say, heck with that, I'm going to wait around, wait around? I don't I don't expect a lot of players to be signing quickly tomorrow. I think because of I think he's gonna take some time. the ego hit, I think yeah. if they don't understand the finances of, of all this, I think it's gonna. They're just looking at numbers, the raw numbers of it, and then for players to be taking um, a back seat in some of these numbers and these salaries and all these. I, I just don't think we're gonna see a, like we see on normal free agency days, like boom, boom, so and so, Predator, so and so, Ranger, da da da, Ottawa. You're like, whoa, 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 this is happening quick. I just think it's gonna be a lot, lot longer. Like Petro, for example. I don't think anything's probably going to get done tomorrow. I think it's going to take a long time. Take a weekend, maybe. Yeah, I think it's maybe go to the weekend, maybe Monday, Tuesday. And he's got no, he's got nothing but time. Yeah. And I think that they're going to really going to exercise that. I wonder time. how much impact players like that who do take a financial hit this year, expected more money but don't get it. How much of an impact puts on the Stanley Cup contenders? Like how many players view Colorado, Washington, Vegas, Tampa? 
Pittsburgh, mm-hmm. St. Louis. How many of those players look at these teams and say, you know what? If I'm going to take a if I'm going to take yeah. a back seat in terms of salary this year, I want to go to a team that I got a chance to win a Stanley Cup and cash in next year. Solid point, and especially if you're Doug Armstrong and you need to get some of these players. You know, we were mentioning uh, talking about Bobby Ryan yeah. last week. You know, Which I still love too. Yeah, if you're Bobby Ryan, let's say you can get him for two million bucks, and Ottawa can eat up the the majority of that. You know, and he's going to want to go to a team that, that was going to want to win. I mean, look at the great stories of this past Stanley Cup. You know, I was talking to Luke Shen yesterday for the Blues on his Zoom uh, for the Blues Weekly. I mean, a player that, you know, went from Toronto to Philly, and then he literally got bounced around on three or four different teams in the last two years. He thought his career was over last mm-hmm. year, and all of a sudden Tampa called. And he told me on, on our Zoom, he said, when Tampa called, I didn't care what the price was, I, I wanted to go, because they were a cup-contending team. I just wanted to be a part of a team that can win a championship. Same with Zach Bogosian. Zach Bogosian's another one. You know, mm-hmm. I think it was third overall. Yeah. And his career went all over the place. Um, long time in Buffalo, Winnipeg, a little bit there as well. And same for him. You know, you can go to a cup contending team. You're going to take a hit. I was with, I was in Pittsburgh when Steve Sullivan, who's now is the assistant GM in the Arizona Coyotes, he came to Pittsburgh, took a huge hit uh, financially to play for Pittsburgh because he had knows he you know he had one two years maybe left on his on his existence in the National Hockey League. And he wanted to win. He mm-hmm. just wanted to eat that up. So St. Louis has got that. They definitely got some some flash. They got some flair in the sense that they have a really good window, a great goaltender, a great core of guys, and a great coach where th- this team has shown they can win and they can do it again. So hopefully they can eat somebody up here for a little bit cheaper. Well, the craziness starts tomorrow, and I believe it's 11 a.m. like Joe mentioned here in St. Louis where the free agency window opens up. Now remember, teams don't have that courting opportunity to talk to players before it opens up. So a lot of the conversations will have to be had once free agency is available tomorrow and we'll keep you posted about everything that happens with the St. Louis Blues and beyond on 101 ESPN. Actually, Jamie Rivers and I are going to be hosting the Last Minute Blues podcast from 10 to 11 tomorrow. Jeff Burton, Donnie Fandango will be with us live on 101 ESPN so make sure you join us for that. Joey V, we will talk next week and hopefully talk about a Petro re-sign but if not, we'll be breaking down a very interesting upcoming season for the St. Louis Blues. Everyone out there, get your Petrangelo jerseys on. Sleep in them tonight. Cross your fingers. As everyone said, or as a famous man once said, hold on to your butts. Hold on to your butts. Hold on to your butts. buckle up. Here we go. And buckle up. He's Joe Vitale and Alex Ferrario. Thank you to Mike Ryder. We'll be back with you next week right here on 101 ESPN.